0: If you're early on in your creative development, it can it can definitely feel like a slap in the face that whenever someone likes the thing that you made, that they always feel like there's not enough of it. But I think that's Yeah. That's a But that's
1: that's, that's like the highest form of praise from yes. a human, right? It's like I want more. this isn't enough Scotch. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 260 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I still haven't showered today. I'm Sam, but (laughs) I'm
0: the R2. I know. (laughs) I know. How are you standing? I I was about to go get in the shower when I got a text message being like, podcast? And I was like, oh, right. I completely forgot about the podcast. And so here I am. He's got to kick us off with some dirty talk, you know? That's what's happening. Just, he just, just did. did. What ta- yeah. Boom. <coughs>
1: disgusting.
0: It. Explicit podcast warning.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May 24th, 20 Blundie. And as you've just heard, anything could happen on this show and it's going to be disgusting. Yep. yep. So explicit warning. If you're
0: still here with us after that disgusting intro story, then— Idiots. Yeah, then is, you you belong here with us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh and before we get into the uh the appetizers of the podcast, we've got a little pre-meal thanks uh, for a our- amuse-bouche, a, a bone mot. a bone what's a bone mot? What are you people I saying? I don't and know, amuse-bouche, so. Seth. It's a it's a way to amuse your mouth, you know? A yeah. amuse
0: bouche
1: Oh, I, I, so that literally means amuse your mouth. That's, one one can only assume. Given that I'm pretty sure, I don't know. It sounds like it. Uh, well, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters <laughs> over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We grabbed your money. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Let's talk about life. Let's talk about Adam got aphids. Mm-hmm. It's a new children's, the children's book. book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Adam, we we, uh, we got this this really spectacular specimen of a plant in our yard. It's a, it's a what do you call it? It's an elderberry bush. So we got one of these because we were like, this sounds fun. You can make like, you can make like a liqueur berries.
1: with it. You <laughs> our berries are too young.
0: Yeah, we, we need, need some older berries, you know. So it seemed like a fun thing to do. And this thing grew like fucking crazy. It's like I don't know if it's related to bamboo or what the deal is, but it grows so fast and it's just outrageous. So we so we got a couple of these things last year. Um, they grew they grew huge. They felt great. They're creating this like nice screen in the front of our yard so randos can't spy on us. Everything is great. So then this year, Dope. I've been doing limited yard work because we don't like, we just don't go outside anymore. And, and even though our yard is not a COVID, you know, area, it just still, I'm so used to not going outside that I'm like, I don't go in the yard either. It's also because people uh, are <laughs> coming over. So who yeah, Nobody's shit. coming over. So it's all just weird. So I haven't been really paying a lot of attention, except just to kind of go like weed whack the lawn, you know, because it's small. So I can weed whack instead of mow it. Um, pull some weeds here and there, you know, but that's basically it. And so, so I went out uh, and I was, and I was, taking a tour of the yard just to kind of see how things were going. And I got to this elderberry bush, which this year is just so huge. It's just enormous and glorious. And I came over to kind of like just peer admiringly at it, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm flipping this leaf over and I'm, there's almost like black shit on it. And I'm like, the mm. fuck is this black shit? And I look closer and it's a bunch of little tiny bugs, like tiny. Whoa. And then I kind of take a step back and I look a little more broadly in this, this plant, which is, again, it's like, it's it's easily twelve feet tall. It's like twenty stalks, each stalk of which is like what you think of as a bamboo stalk. It's like an inch wide, right? And it's just like drape, it's just this huge monstrosity of a plant. And it is just coated. Just coated with these like just pockets of these of these black aphids. Yeah. So so I saw that and I was pissed and I was like, I don't know, what do they, they even do? I know they're on there and they're not supposed to. What are you to, even doing here? What are they going to do? Get and out so of here. Doing, doing some Googling and apparently the thing that they love to do is to like destroy flowers. They just like, they, they get on the little buds or something and they just suck all their juices out of there and, and nuke it. And of course the whole reason we have this thing, it's an, it's an, it's just for the flowers. That's why we mm-hmm. have this, you know? So I'm looking around at what to do and uh, the strategy I really want to do is to buy a whole bunch of assassin bugs. Because this is a thing Whoa. you can just do. You can just buy assassin bugs and like just is there, release them. is there a black market for these? Or is this There's like a regular, regular market. You can just <laughs> buy them. And you can also – you can buy – so like – so for aphids in particular, you can also buy these parasitic like creatures and stuff, like parasitic mites and stuff. They just love to fuck with aphids. Whoa. And you can buy – and there's like these lacewing – which actually things I remember seeing growing up. I don't know what they were. But these like little, they can look kind of like dragonflies. They're like lacewing uh, insects. But their larvae just fucking, they can eat like 60 aphids a day, right? And and so, so I was looking around. Is that like, a lot? I don't
1: know. Is uh, that it's a not a lot compared to how many aphids <laughs> I have, but it is a lot. Uh, <laughs>
0: but yeah. there's like some other creature that, like, like, during every stage of its life cycle, like from larva to adult, it's just like fucking munching on aphids. And there's another one that, that eats, a, that murders aphids even when it's not hungry, which is just,
1: just hates them so it much. It just
0: kills them. It just kills them and then eats them whenever it decides it's actually hungry. Whoa. So, wait a minute.
1: So, so, what you're saying is you're going to, to Pokemon these aphids this is what I want to
0: do this is what I absolutely want to do um, however so, so, so I was doing a lot, I, was, I was reading up on, on all these different websites where you can buy these things right and, mm. uh, and reading up on the instructions and the instructions are super fun because like some of them some of them they come and you can just like throw them in the fridge for a couple weeks until like you're ready to use them like you can do this with ladybugs apparently so ladybugs are your kind of your go-to and what everybody thinks so of for aphids except mm. they just fly away so you can dump like a million <laughs> you can dump like a million of them in your yard and they're just like fuck this I'm They just leave. they just leave <laughs> And so, so there are a whole bunch of these like better alternatives. But the funny thing is that everywhere I was looking to buy them, uh, they only come in these enormous numbers, like just for farming outrage. Cause it's all for farming and for greenhouses and stuff. Right. So for like for organic greenhouses and farms and, uh, it's, so I've been, so I was just trying to decide, I was like, should I, cause cause I could get assassin bugs, but I have to get 250 at a time. You're only supposed to put like two on a plant. And because this plant is huge, I could probably put like 50 Four. on there, you know, mm. maybe, but I got these other two hundred. Like, what am I, what I was supposed to do? When you these, say they only come in these
1: huge volumes, when you say put them on there, I'm imagining you just like hand plucking an oh, assassin Oh no, I man, no,
0: they come in all these different varieties. So some of them, so depending on the kind of bug you're getting, some of them come as as like pupa, right? And then you gotta let them hatch. It's like the the lace wings they come as little pupae, and then you wait until you can see them moving, and then you go put them out. Like you just like have a little card, and you just like shove the card in the plants that you want or something. And, oh. and then they'll go like – they'll go you know migrate throughout your yard basically. Mm-hmm. But if you wait too long because they start hatching like in a container, then they just start eating each other because they just love to eat other bugs. you know. Whoa. So, and so, but then if you get ladybugs, you get ladybugs as adults. But then your, your goal there is like have them stick around just long enough that they mate because mm-hmm. their babies are the ones who eat all, the, all ah. the animals. So there's like all these different strategies and, and like – and they were talking about how to have like a, com- a complex scenario where you have these like – Four different kinds of bugs that all eat aphids, plus a whole bunch of other things that you don't want. And like when when you put them out, and then like how you treat the plants when they get out. So
1: I was getting really excited. Man, about you're doing it. you're walking right into an old woman who swallowed a fly. Yeah, exactly. So That's yeah.
0: exactly right. Because because the one I want the most is mantises, because you can just fly mantises too, mm. like a hundred at a time, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> but the problem with a mantis is that they just eat everything. So they'll, yeah. be, eat, they'll be eating all your good bugs too. So you have to get these. Like they're like, they're always, they're these tiny parasitic wasps, just like little tiny guys. And they just like go kill all the pests that you don't want. And you don't even see them because they're like, they're like a, a fifth of an inch long or something. So I learned a whole bunch of really cool stuff and I wanted to go just buy a fuckload of interesting murder bugs and put them out. in the yard. <laughs> uh, just Set them loose. and just Set them loose. But they all like every, I was, as I was reading the instructions for all these that, that they were so complicated, like what to do. And I was so I was sometimes excited, but also I was looking at one of the other options for controlling aphids because I don't want to poison the yard because I, I want to, we like having a nice ecosystem with lots of bugs yeah. and I don't want to put anything out there that'll kill other bugs, you know? So, but the other solution is, is to literally just take a, like a squirt bottle and put a drop of a drop of dish soap in there and then just spray the aphids
1: because if it's
0: <laughs> soft bodied and so it like, it just, it like melts their skin a little, like just enough that they just kind of die. Whoa. And then another solution, which is you throw flour, like, like literally just flour on the plant and then apparently they get constipated from eating it, and then just die because they're constipated.
1: <laughs> and so these are all terrible ways to die. Terrible you ways get to melted, But they deserve or you, it. Or you can't poop to death. But so now mm-hmm. I'm left with this conundrum, now,
0: right? Because I, I could I, want to do your murder, Adam. That's I could go order all these amazing murder bugs, right? Just amazing, five hundred to thousand at a time, and just like have yep. the yard. Just filled with murder bugs, right? Which is amazing. A, a really important cool. question is, do aphids scream while they're being murdered? Because you're going to oh, have yeah. a lot of – there's, there's going to be a cacophony <laughs> a lot of A there. lot of aphids scream. Mm-hmm. I mean I hope so. I want just to like know. that little tiny, like tinny scream, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 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 there are enough of them that if they make any sound at all, I will be able to hear it. That's true. So yeah, so, so what, what do I do? Do, do I take the easy route where I can just literally right now just go outside with a squirt bottle with a little bit of soap in it and just spray them all and be done? Or Or – do, you do the so I order thing several ever. hundred dollars of murder bugs that are all amazing <laughs> way more than I need and throw them all out in the yard and hope that there aren't any <laughs> negative repercussions and that hope that this actually works two to eight weeks after I do this
1: I think you need you need to weigh this against your your five year plan uh-huh. you know because like if you squirt them with soap and then leave like you're done now right yeah you you've done it, it's done, you just squirted it you're good as soon as you go down this murder bug route you know. Fast forward five years from now, your neighbors are going to be calling the police because you've got crocodiles and shit in mm-hmm. your yard. Mm-hmm. And the cops yeah, are going to come yeah. and they're going to be like – you're going to be like, what? Why? And I'll just, I'll just and be, like, be like, have you ever seen this
0: book? You'll be like, fly?
1: you know aphids. You know aphids. So – It's a log story. Yeah, controlling your ecosystem is a uh, – it's a dangerous it's a
0: fragile thing. Yeah, because you're, you're also, a person. You can't person. I was very disappointed though because in seeing all of this, I got really excited and I was like, are there murder bugs for mosquitoes? Because if there are, I'm just, oh, I'm going to yes. order them. I'm going to yep. buy them. Nope. No, somehow, somehow there are bugs that murder everything, right? No, you need Every kind of bug, there's a bug that murders it. But you have to have whole mammals yep. to eat mosquitoes. An entire ma- – you can't just go buy a mammal. Spiders you killed. Know? So mean, Spiders get mosquitoes, right? They do, but not in not in bulk. Not like you know? not a targeted way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah plus, yeah.
1: now you got webs everywhere. That's you true. Know? There's yeah, some collateral there, which
0: I'm most because I like spiders, but they can only catch like a few hundred, you know, a a night or whatever. But a single bat can eat like six thousand fucking <laughs> mosquitoes in. A night in or in fact, has to because it it's has to to stay alive. So huge. Yeah. So
1: you could build one of those bat houses in your Are in there your any yard. bats
0: left? You know, yeah. So there's, there's like twelve. Like, yeah. Did you see some bats? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe I'll do that. They're coming yeah, build
1: out a, Build a bat house. Build a bat house for your mosquitoes and then unleash a wave of murder bugs yeah. for your aphids. But I mean, how so much, you just kind of see where that goes. But just,
0: it seems like so much more fun than regular gardening, you know? Where you're not going to go pull a weed or you know whatever, but you're just like, hmm, what kind of murder bugs can I – Well, now you've basically got a
1: Helm's Deep sort of Lord of the Rings <laughs> situation <laughs> right, going on right,
0: exactly. in your yard. Yeah. So, Gondor calls okay. for aid. The mantis so. Here.
1: That's just so sort this of an happened. FYI. they just
0: letting everybody know. If you've got any aphids, just know you can buy at least six different kinds of murder bugs to control those things.
1: Just know you got options. you got options <laughs> depending options. on the level of
0: fun you want to have and money yeah. you want to spend because um, it is a lot cheaper to put one drop of soap in a spray bottle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: As far as immediacy and efficacy
1: it sounds like the way yeah, to go. Yeah,
0: that's apparently the way to go, but I'm just not And also you'll have a real clean
1: leaves afterwards too. Yep. Yeah, so that's another another plus. Yeah. Well, this has been Adam Got Aphids. So A new mm-hmm. a new sub podcast. A new a news <laughs> podcast within a podcast, mm-hmm. Adam Got Aphids. Let's see how mm-hmm. his murder ecosystem is going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh and Adam and Sam you guys both were playing a bunch of Terraria this weekend. Yeah, Terraria uh, as we discussed last week had a big update. They added like a tr- I think something like 1.3 trillion new items to the game, That's about um, right? You know. <laughs>
0: they kind of it, they did sort of a just a general uh a general overhaul. So uh, and I think the thing that I noticed immediately was that suddenly everything felt more alive because there was a lot more animation. So there's oh, wind, and wind makes things blow. You know, it's like yeah. all the banners Ooh. they used to get and stuff. Now the banners all like float, so. If it's a windy day, and the weather's a lot more intense and interesting. So there's like
1: violent thunderstorms and stuff.
0: Basically, like, I would say the the overall moodiness of the game has gone way up, which is great. Yeah, also so, a lot more music, like a lot more music. Yeah, but I will say the I always
1: liked I always liked the music in Terraria, though. It's yeah, very great chill,
0: game. just like for yeah. They did a good job of, of setting the mood with that music, but they <laughs> they took it up a notch and they kind of re they redid everything and also added a bunch of new stuff. So I will say though the so the uh, the whole everything is animated thing is funny because it's actually not animated. They're just using a shader
1: to sort yeah. of like push things around pixel okay, by yep. pixel. Um, well, I mean, you say it's actually not animated, but I mean. Well, that's the thing, right? Uh, what, a, what a great cheap solution. Have,
0: it's always better to have a machine do it than to do yeah, it. Yeah. This
1: is, this is true in RimWorld as well. You know, like the, the trees are completely static images and then they use a shader to just kind of make them slightly move back and forth all mm-hmm. the time. So, it does a ton of work. right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Now, Sam, you wanted to talk about uh inventory.
0: Yeah. So that, our, well, that was my sort of my big takeaway from getting back in there. You know, we uh in the in the case of the original crash lands, uh, one of our things was, you know what, inventory management sucks. We're tired which of it, it's to deal with It's it true. But I think it's important to drill down further into what exactly uh actually is the the suck part of inventory management. And after playing Terraria this weekend, I realized it's actually not, uh, for me, the case of having an inventory fill up and then having to return. Which does um, suck, but it also provides a benefit. And that's, right. this is this is the big thing, which is that yep. uh, what I hate is the sorting. Yes. Spending 15 minutes afterwards being like, where do all these go and all the mental energy required for that? When, that's in right. reality, there could be a system that you could just, like, dunk stuff into. Yeah, because like um, Terraria has so many items, so many kinds of things. That I know right now, so Jay and I have been playing, we also started when the the update came out, so we probably put in a total of like 10 hours maybe into the current run or something like that. And we already have like 12 chests, you know, all the different kinds of stuff that have to be managed and like we should know where everything goes and like try to remember where stuff is and what we have. and uh, Yep. And so we are talking about like searching is, searching is more computationally humane than sorting, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And sort of like putting everything in the right place. And so I think the, the issue I have is actually not with that, inventory filling up it's with that the secondary part um and what i noticed though is that having a limited inventory in terms of like on your person as you're running around the world does an extremely important job uh in the case of a game like terraria or a game where there's like exploration is sort of the the big point uh which is that it actually keeps you in a sort of a a hot state where you like you're in the middle of something and then you're like oh shit like i need to go I need to go back to, like, empty my bags, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or to get prepared to do something because you don't have inventory but want to go fight a boss or exactly. something. Exactly. And so, uh, but while you're out and about then, you'll be, like, you're sort of in the middle of stuff and you could you could view this interruption as a problem. But here's here's what I think, is that the return to base while you're still in that hot state means that you're sort of, you're getting your stuff put away, but, but also you're actually going through your items at that point that you collected. And so what ends up happening, almost invariably, is that, in the attempt to complete one plan, which was, you know, you originally were going out to, for example, go adventuring or go mining or whatever, uh, because of this interruption that comes, it's usually pretty long actually, but like 10, 15, 20 minutes in, where you have to go back and you're still in this, like, I'm on that thing, but you sort, you end up actually making more plans and opening more sort of like open ended loops for you to go take care of later by virtue of coming back in that hot state. And so then you also say, you're okay, collecting, like, in you're collecting stuff unintentionally at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you come back to base to unload exactly. everything, you're like, ooh, I can make this now, right? Exactly. And, and, and so... Make some new gear, make some new potions, and then dive back down. Yeah, and so you end up actually, by virtue of trying to complete one plan, spawning anywhere from like two to ten, sometimes more other plans. And so mm-hmm. what ends up happening actually is within within like three or four of these sort of full inventory moments, you suddenly... uh you can, you can end up having just a tremendous number of things, things to do, quote unquote, that you're like, these future plans you've made, whatever else. And then, so what ends up happening at some point, point. this happened to me for about probably about four hours in, is that suddenly, actually, about every like 10 or 15 minutes of you playing the game becomes extremely rewarding, because these things that you've been thinking about, like this laundry list of things you've been thinking about for now a couple of hours, uh, you just start checking them off. Because every time you go out now, you're actually solving both, not just usually one, but like two or sometimes three of these like quiet plans that were being made in the background. And sometimes they're simple where it's like, Oh, I wanted to get another, find another picture to put in the house or like, or, uh, Oh, I, I need to finish out this room or whatever else. And sometimes they're really complex, which is like, Oh, I finally got the drop for this thing that allows me to build these two items or whatever. Um, and so what ends up happening is actually the game feels tr- like way more rich over time by virtue of all those plans that get spun up. And I think they get spun up primarily because you have to, Stop with your current plan. You can't fully execute a plan. That's essentially what it comes down to. I right? think it's interesting if you look at so this idea of you know sorting being the part that just globally sucks, right? Versus mm-hmm. versus a limit, which creates interesting constraints and actually causes some knock-on positive effects in gameplay. If you look at in Terraria, the stuff that they've improved over time um, in terms of inventory, uh, the stuff that's about sorting has gone into the UI out of the gate by default, right? So they they added these like buttons to your to to your interface to make it like when you're running by chests you don't have to open them you just hit a little button and then if it could be stacked on existing things in that chest they just it just goes in there right yep so you can basically like come back home just stand amongst the middle of your jillions of chests just do
1: a drag hit that button yeah. and like everything yeah.
0: goes wherever it's supposed to go right. And so that's just out of the gate. You just have that. But now, if you look at things that expand your inventory, there's basically like, there's a, there's a safe, there's a piggy bank, but you don't normally take those with, you could, you could take those with you like on a run, right? So yeah. they actually have access to more inventory inside your inventory. Um, so you could, but they're very expensive, right? So like, so the, the amount of gameplay you have to or have already completed to expand your inventory is huge. Um, and then – so they have that, but then they also – then they have like a, a void, ba- a void it's vault. That's actually – I just made that yesterday. Yeah. So I have I'm very excited about it. It's uh, awesome. So <laughs> you, but it, it literally makes a void in the world, right, that you like reach into like sort of in effect, right? To yeah, like so it a works like a, like a normal chest. Where it essentially doubles your inventory capacity <clears throat> because you can actually the, – the vault lives at your house as like yep. a chest. And then you have a bag in your inventory that you can use to that open the vault it. from your – from wherever you mm-hmm. are. Ooh. So, it's, it just like throws out a void, and then you click on the void, and it's just like it's that chest, actually.
1: So, it's basically yeah. uh, in Crash Ends, we talked about how the reason Flux can store infinite things is because in the pockets of the suit are wormholes that go back to a bureau shipping warehouse. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, it's just that, but actually, as an in game yeah. thing, like you build the warehouse as well. Exactly. Right? And so,
0: yeah, it ends up being this really fascinating thing. It's all late game stuff,
1: right? So, like, so in terms of this
0: yeah. idea of like the stuff that has to do with sorting, they just built into the UI. Because it's just
1: really good to have all it's the time. It's just really yes. good to have
0: all the time because that's a sucky part of the game. The right. problem to do with, with inventory expansion is actually embedded in the gameplay progression because that mm-hmm. actually is is a, is a true core component of the game versus sorting and like dealing with your chest, which is not really a component of the game. Yeah. And what that inventory expansion then allows you to do is that, of course, the crafting and stuff gets more complex Elaborate. and more resource intensive yep. as you go along. It's so actually – you have you have to go on longer adventures, Right. And so you can see the this, this scenario playing out, which is that you're going on longer and longer adventures, but your inventory hasn't scaled up at all. Which means that you're actually you start running out of plants at that point, right? Like you're.
1: Well, also you're you're choosing what to ignore. Like every everything that you see, you're kind of you're kind of weighing your options, yeah. right? Because like if you're if you're trying to go get advanced materials, um, then you're no longer in a position where you're like, I'm just gonna dig up and collect a shitload of dirt. Yep. Because you don't need it. For anything, Mm -hmm. uh, so you would end up just skipping it, right? Yeah, and the the skipping, that is what
0: actually creates
1: the lack of those new plans, right? Because it's
0: always just random shit. It's like you found a random gun and you're like, what does this do? And you look it up on the wiki and you're like, oh man, I could make this other thing with that. I'm going to keep that around for later, right? And now you got this other plan, sort of like – the back
1: of my but but then the, – here's an interesting question then because what you're talking about is basically like the purpose of a limited inventory aside from just saving on data storage and stuff <laughs> like optimization-wise. But, but from a game design perspective is it does create um, the constant decision-making for the player about what to keep, what not to keep as well as it interrupts your plans because if your inventory gets full, then either you got to ditch something, mm-hmm. which sucks, um, or you got to go back – to store all your stuff before you can continue your journey, so it's a it's a uh, a fork in the road for you as yeah. a player of like you you, have, you you have to now make a decision. Um, contrasting that with what, what Crashlands ended up feeling like, a lot of the comments we got from Crashlands players was this idea that it's it's very zen like, you know you. Mm-hmm. Once you kind of like get into the swing of the game, you can go out on a, on a gathering adventure and you're just out there for like an hour. And you just like just chopping trees, just picking up everything that you see. And you can kind of like zone out and just kind of get lost in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason is big, of course, because at no point do you just get like hit by this confrontational There's no moment limit. where yeah, yeah, where you just mm-hmm. have to decide what to do.
0: Well, and we use so, a different trigger, right? Because we, we let you know what the recipes are and then we let you track one. So now, so the trigger being, oh, my inventory is full, right? The trigger that's basically sending you home is always, oh, I like I can make the thing that I wanted to make, right? Like, and yep. now you go home to do that, right? But it changes the sense of home dramatically because, like, like in Terraria, uh, my wife and I always set up pretty elaborate homes, you know, because it's like it's the thing that you always because you have to go back there all the time to do stuff, right? Okay. To, to manage your inventory in particular, um, and uh, and in Crashlands, like, I because I would spend most of my time in Crashlands just out in the world doing stuff. Yeah. And then only come back to craft a specific item. Like, that was the purpose. And then while I was back crafting an item, I would often also craft knock-on items that I wasn't expecting, right? In the same sense that in Terraria, you come back to to unload inventory and then, like, discover a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Um, but instead of it being based – instead of it being, like, a in effect, a random – because like an, and you can think of this as basically like a random trigger. Or even – like it's like a time-gated trigger that yeah. that Terraria has, right? Where, where exploration phases are actually just kind of limited in length so that – there's just always a, a push to knock you back, um, and there's a loop there. Versus yeah. in in Crashlands, the that loop is basically the completion of a quest or completion of a yes of a it's, it's completion of something, and that and that thing can have a really arbitrary duration. Um, and that's when we kick you back to your to your home, right? And so it's way less frequent. It changes the meaning of what it means to go home, right? Um, yeah, so it's
1: kind of what's kind of interesting is that like they they both have positive and negative yeah, yeah, implications for mm-hmm. the player experience, uh, and so it kind of depends on on what you want the the overarching v- feeling of the game to be. You right. know, it, it does make sense for like in a survival game, um, you're always starving, right? So there's always this like time pressure to like eat stuff and and find food and whatnot, which is kind of a, it's a tense thing. So if if you're just looking to go chill out. Um, like starting a new save on a survival game is probably not, no, not the, the thing best. you want to be doing, right? No. Uh, but it, but but playing a game like Crashlands is actually great for for like a chill session, just because you can just if something attacks you, you just leave, mm-hmm. and you just pick up everything you see, and the quests are goofy, you know. Um, and, and Terraria is somewhere in the middle. Well, I think, it, but there's another sort of weird
0: uh, secondary point there, which is actually that in a game like in a game like Crashlands, moving around does not generate items to fill up your inventory, versus in a game like Terraria or Minecraft where you you dig to do stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. <laughs> you actually, you're just constantly filling your inventory. Yeah, uh, and so I think right. there's actually there might be an interesting middle ground here, which is to to have your to have your home base essentially be the infinite storage space, mm-hmm. where once you get back there, yeah, you dump your items in. Cool. There's, and like, it's a, a, sortable, it's, a well, it's, it's sortable. It's a thing that has a has a search bar, you know? It's mm-hmm. sortable. You can move stuff by categories. Everything yeah. you want. But then when you're out and about, we actually do have a limit on it um, mm, to make it yeah. so that you actually sort of get a little bit of both. Because the reality is, like, in Crash Lines, if you're just harvesting log trees, you wouldn't fill up your inventory. Yeah. You just would and the, like Unless we limited stack. the stack size, which, which they right, also I always tend to do. But I also, yeah, because I hate that. But also, that was one something. of the other things that they removed in Terraria is, like, the stack sizes are... No, 99 higher. higher. Yeah. yeah. It's way higher on everything than it used to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So, so all, all of this is, is to say we're thinking a lot about Crashlands for yeah. reasons we'll talk about in a little while. Um, but first, first, let's talk a little bit about Levelhead before we get into Crashlands discussion or more crashes discussion. Uh, so first, Levelhead Delivery League Championship happened this past weekend. It Super is still cool. happening, actually. It is a, uh, it is a head-to-head race where two players come in. They play a, a essentially a randomly generated list of levels, and they compete to complete all ten levels uh, as fast as possible. And it's fucking awesome. It's on Twitch. You can watch. You can watch it. Uh, we have links in the Discord and stuff to get there, as well as in the uh, community spotlight blog post. But but there's commentators. It it feels like a like an e-sport. Like it's it is yeah. so legit. Yeah, it's uh, so, very well so. done.
0: I think they I think they have another one in a, this coming weekend or two weekends or something like that. I think mm-hmm. they that's part of the schedule. So um so you should definitely check it out.
1: Yeah. So uh definite uh, props to all the folks who have been working hard to to organize that stuff. Um it's it's really coming together and it's hilarious. It's fun to watch. Uh it's really a kind of a nail biter. So, <laughs> so, yep. so that's super cool um, as well as uh, we want to give a shout out to Retrofile for doing his blindfolded runs. Uh, Retrofile TV streams Levelhead on Twitch and he's – he in the past has done uh, blindfolded level runs and it's always just really interesting mm-hmm. and hilarious. So so one of the things that Levelhead has that we didn't really sort of like think about as being uh, something that would allow for a blind run is that you have your grappler and you can shoot it in a direction, right? And so at any point you can aim it like up, down, left, or right, and hit the grapple button. and And if there's an instant like pinging sound, then you know that you're up against a hard surface. Mm, so it's like so basically, sort of a thing. Yeah. So basically, somebody can use Jaratien's grappler kind of like a cane. Right to like mm-hmm. feel the feel the environment and listen for for what's around them, um, and so Retrofile TV has been doing these blindfolded runs. And I think a lot of what he does is
0: he plays them he plays them without a blindfold to like try to memorize where things are and like what's going on at the level and all that kind of stuff, and then plays like a chunk at a time blindfolded to see if he can do it, and then finally like sits down. And he's like, okay, like blindfolds up, and then just goes, um, and it's
1: it is remarkable. He's and he he completes levels. Yeah, hard ones. Which is what, he completes <laughs> levels that will be
0: hard for most people to complete without a blindfold on. Yeah.
1: Yes. So uh, it's pretty well. So he's, he's got a bunch of videos. Was, I think
0: he's I assume he's got a YouTube channel somewhere um uh and uh, but I always posts them in the in the the Discord in the in the videos channel. So also a thing to check out maybe maybe this this week's uh uh Friday community spotlight will have some of these things in it. Um because they're they are just really spectacular. Although there's a lot of profanity in them, so maybe we won't put them in the spot. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Honestly, yeah. Whenever I'm playing Levelhead, it's, uh, every few seconds I'm just like, fuck, yeah, very it's very profane." It's a hard game. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the community and it's, it, just keeps, it just keeps happening. We love it. It's fun to watch. Uh, very excited. And this
0: update's coming uh, along really well.
1: Yeah, so we want, we want to talk a little bit about the, the patch that we're working on. So this this patch, as we mentioned last week, canoodles, those are happening. Um, we got them in, figured out what we're doing with them. It's the so a new excited. enemy. It's the first enemy that shoots ranged projectiles at you. Um, we added a little, little fun little extra thing, which – should, should, say should nah, you say it? Nah, it let him figure it okay. out. Let him figure it out. <laughs> All right. Um, we've got a bunch of new enemies we're working on. And, and I think one of the things that I'm the most excited about is that we're kind of like blowing the lid off some of the player expression Things for this patch, um, really trying to put an eye toward like extra cosmetics and just extra ways for players to like customize levels and and uh, and market their levels. So mm-hmm. we got things like new icons um, for for your levels, like a nice new bundle of those. But but uh, we've also got stuff like you can change the colors of, of things that you previously couldn't change the colors on. Yeah, basically, uh, every, which is everything that's spiky. Yeah, that's what you get yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> already just just playing around with it sort of in like it's uh you know, not, not prototypey stage, but in like its early stages of development. Um, it just it just kind of changes everything, you know, like just being able to 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 convey stuff differently and have like yellow spikes or purple spikes. it just seems it sounds mundane on the face, but when you see it, it's just so fucking great. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of these things that that I feel like I'm really excited about because it feels like it's kind of like tying a ribbon on stuff that that we've always kind of wanted to do, and we just didn't really get those things in prior to launch because we were so busy with all the multi-platform stuff. Mm-hmm. And so so now we get to we get to finally like package up all these things into a really fun update and deliver them. Yeah. Uh, and so there's there's a lot of other stuff that we're doing with this, but we're, we're trying to kind of keep. We're, keep things fairly uh, bottled up for this patch like w- like we can kind of say what's out there and, and if you're watching the patch notes and stuff you can see it kind of trickling out but you can't but see it see it you can't see it and I mean, that's really that's yeah. really well crazy. I think
0: I think with levelhead because we did early access um, we we haven't really gotten the opportunity to just to just drop really awesome stuff right in a surprise, to just in a surprising it. way just like just unveil it to to everybody kind of at the same time. Um and i, I we, we may still have a have a short beta prior to the to the full launch like I'm not sure but but our our hope here is to be able to do like enough of our own internal testing and and have all of our stuff working well enough that we can literally just deploy this thing um so that it just gets to be a surprise you know yeah but, uh the reality of game development is because we don't want to deploy bugs because it's very expensive to redeploy after a bug um is we may we may have to reveal it. For, for testing We'll do a beta a yeah, earlier, yeah, but,
1: unfortunately. But. Yeah. But of course, you can choose your own level of involvement here, right? Like, don't go into the beta channel if you don't want to see beta stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that will so be the only though, place that it is. The approach is going to be a little different, which is that instead of beta testing everything bit by bit, which is what we've done during early access, just like, just builds every day, basically. Um, yeah. This will be basically when the patch is done, Yeah, then we'll put it in there. Uh, so, the people see. So, so it will be a surprise. So all the people who are most hardcore about the game, I think will be very very uh, excited to participate
1: in the beta because it'll be it'll be this big pack of of new stuff. There's is- so much news. This uh, honestly, this is our first what I would call our first big patch. Yeah, yeah, right. Like all, all the previous levelhead patches uh, were typically revolved around like a couple of of changes, like two new items here or like rifts have colors now plus a couple of in- interface updates. This is like this is like a bucket of New fun yeah, toys. There's 42 for to new with. avatars, and we're doubling the number of enemies. So, like, what else? forget good, over, you know. So get over. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, same the other day was like, I'm going to make so many new things for this patch that everybody can just shut up.
0: about <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's my internal thing, you know. Just like, which, of course,
1: yeah. is literally not going to happen. Nope. No, because one, one of the one of the great things about about having like a game that's out is you get to see this this like. What this side of human psychology, which it makes me laugh every time because it's 100% reliable, yeah. is the instant a person gets something, their, their first response is, what about this other thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like they, and it, Which doesn't mean that they don't appreciate the thing that they got. Yeah. Um, of, cor- of course they do. And, and the reason that they're thinking about the next thing is because they're excited about, about the thing that they just got. But uh, it's, it's always fun to see because like, we, we also kind of use that as a barometer of like whether or not we're on the right track. You know, like if we add something and that thing immediately generates like 30 new demands, then it's like, OK, cool. This is what people yeah, want, people right?
0: <laughs> if people uh, are just silent about it.
1: That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, if – because cause all it means is you're now like you're moving along on the hedonic treadmill, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, that's actually that's uh, why the spike recoloring. It was originally just going to be spike and I thought we thought about it for a couple minutes, and we're like, okay, because these are spikes, and there's other things with spikes. The, literally, the, the the only thing that's going to be asked is how come this isn't all on, the other spikes, all the other spikes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just go do that. So now instead, because it's on all the spikes, we'll be like, well, why isn't it on everything else? It's like, I well, should, that's
1: actually the first thing that happened. Is is uh, so we do have people, we do have folks in the Discord, sort of like daily trolling through the patch notes trying to find new stuff you know and you know somebody grabbed a snip of that and dropped it in the discord and the immediate the immediate conversation like starting on the next line after the after that got posted was a, a conversation about why we don't have recolors for everything else also coming in <laughs> it's like hey we can only do so many things at once you know maybe maybe later guys but just you'll have to just take your you'll have to just take your spike recolors and enjoy them yeah. for now, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it. I think there was a time in the past where I would find that frustrating, mm-hmm. like de- like deli- delivering content, and then of course the immediate conversation is is about how like there should be more. Well, I think I mean, mean as way. a as an artist, I think in particular,
0: or um, doing doing this sort of work that we do, which is this this creative work that other people uh, judge and enjoy. There's definitely there could definitely be a feeling of not having. Uh, not being enough or not having done enough—that comes along with that, right? Because like if someone yeah. looks at your work, and they're immediately like, "How come it doesn't have this?" Uh, you know, that's that's not great uh, to feel as a depending on kind of where you're at and your. Well, it's it's a perpetual
1: feeling of under delivering, correct? But it's also like one thing you have to recognize about about humans is that they are absolutely insatiable. <laughs> yes. Like that is a that is a one. It's that a, is a core feature of being a person. It's a core feature of being a person is that you literally cannot be satisfied. Mm-hmm.
0: Just like yeah, those. This is <laughs> why you have to eat more than once. You know? Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's actually happened the other day. So Diane and I have been making uh, pizzas, and actually Diane has been making them because like she usually doesn't bake, but she uh, we got, we got some pizza dough from a, from a neighbor down the block, and then we made this homemade pizza. And Diane was like, "Oh my god, I need this." And so, what's happened is that because eating the pizza, the pizza is so good, right? Just so good coming out of the oven. And like we load this thing up, so it weighs like 700 pounds. Like it is just (laughs) a fortress. It's hardly a pizza at that point. It's like there's a cracker on the bottom of a pile of good stuff, right? I mean, that's what pizza is supposed to be. Right. And so, what's happened now, though, is that because the pizza is so good, we'll eat it, we'll eat the whole thing, right? So, each of us has half of a pizza essentially. And we're both full, but we want to. You want to keep it going. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you want to yeah. keep the feeling going. Because one so of like, the
1: worst things about pizza is that there isn't more of it. Yeah,
0: and so is the, <laughs> the only bad thing about pizza, actually. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. So yeah. I, I totally get it now. I think. Uh, I think if you're early on in your creative development, it can it can definitely feel like a slap in the face that whenever someone likes the thing that you made, that they always feel like there's not enough of it. But I think that's
1: – Yeah. That's a – But that's that's, that's like the highest form of praise from yes. a human, right? It's like I want this more. isn't enough. <laughs> well, it's actually – it's that it's that, uh,
0: their attention is, is that form of praise, right? Where if someone will take the time to look at the thing you did, interact with it and ha- like have enough of an experience with it then to come back and then find you and then say like, hey, I wish you did this also or this instead or whatever. Um that is like the deepest form of caring out there. And of course it'd be nice if it only came in the form of, this is great. I love caring it. words.
1: That was yeah, it. yeah. But uh, this is great. And I'm 100% satisfied <laughs> yeah. with exactly what I have. But yeah, that's, said that's no one ever. You know, said <laughs> ever.
0: Um, and uh, yeah, so it is, it is one of those things that you have to kind of, it, it took, it was actually funny. Like leading up to the launch of level head, um, we, we talked to the whole team because for most of the team, this was their first launch, you know, we were like, all right, you're going to see some negative stuff. We're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to, we don't get to just launch this thing and walk away and be like, Oh cool. Like we, we launched something that everybody loves and that's it. Right. And, uh, and we got everybody prepped, you know, for it. And then, and then we did the launch and, and I was reading some of the reviews and stuff. And it was funny cause like I was expecting to have to do some mental work to, to, to sort of dust off the negative effect of somebody being like of a, a reviewer saying they didn't like the game for X, Y, and Z reasons mm-hmm. and whatever. And, uh, and I had none, but like, there was zero. Like I read these negative things and I was just like, Oh, well, that's funny, you know, because like, cause I would, cause I would be amused at, at the, at how wrong like the, the author of the, the post was, or I'd be amused <laughs> at the, the logical leap, or I'd be amused that somebody would say like, everything is great except for this one thing that is really minor, actually. But because of that, four out of five stars when they really like otherwise would have given five, but there was this one little thing, you know, which
1: implies which like, the there's always percent
0: of the experience. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. Right. And it just, so I could just be kind of amused at this stuff, actually, but it's taken, it's taken all seven years or whatever of, of us doing this stuff to, to end up in that mental state.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause you, well, you also know like you did your best and the thing that you made is, is quite good for most yeah. of the people who engage with it. Right. Yep. And like, that's, that's fine. And, and even looking at like, you know, think about in your own experience, some of the TV shows or games that you absolutely love mm-hmm. that you've, that you've like maybe like rewatched or replayed, um, three or four times, right? Go look up reviews for those.
0: Oh yeah, there's negative because, reviews all over the place.
1: Because there will be people who absolutely hate them, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, even though it may be like for you personally, it might be like a cornerstone of one of your hobbies, right? Well, it's the same um, thing just
0: even you as a person because we're here talking about this, you know, reading people disliking the things that we made, right? But we just like all kinds of stuff that other people made and like, so that's know. fine, right?
1: It's just part of it. Not everything is, is for everyone and, and yep. you know, I think the goal is to just, it, it's definitely a win if yeah. uh, if a huge majority, yeah. as in like 80 to 90% of the people who engage with the thing really, really like it, oh, yeah. right? Like that's that's great. Well, I mean it could even be um, a win if really a small fraction like it,
0: you know? Because like, it still means true. you found people who really like the thing you made, right? And, uh, and, and the, the unfortunate side of that is it can't feel nearly as good if like – if 10% of your players fucking love the thing that you made, right, and the other 90% – uh, and you're thinking, medium to what negative. happened? Happened with that other night? <laughs> yeah, it's, it was very yes. Yeah, so that, that's a that's a hard sort of thing to then overcome, and you know, in some way. But but there's, no, I mean, there's no reason why like it doesn't have to be bad that people don't like a thing, right? Uh,
1: no, it's just it's just a fact. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be bad
0: that most people dislike a thing because there are all kinds of, like there are infinite hobbies and interests out there that are only interesting to to tiny tiny minorities of people, mm-hmm. right? And And everybody else around that sometimes are assholes and actively like hate it because they can, you know, but, uh, but it doesn't make that thing actually not something worthwhile to the people who are into it. Right. So it's like, it just doesn't matter how many people hate it as long as there are people that like it. And it does matter from a business sense. Definitely. But from, but from an emotional, emotional sense. (laughs) sense, Sure. (laughs) Trying to get to that point where you can be really excited about the people who are into a thing. Um, and Cause like the ability to create something that other people love is fucking amazing. You know, that's oh, yeah. a really cool thing to be able to do and to be able to pull off. And the obsession of having to have a hundred percent of the people love it is not healthy. It's just not, also not possible, you know? Um, yeah.
1: I mean, shit, you can have the, you can have the, the perfect product and look at it on Amazon and it will have four out of five stars because somebody's box got dinged by UPS. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> you just, you just can't win. It's fine. Uh, all right. Now, we were, I think, going to talk about Crashlands 2, but you know what? Uh, it I, think it's question, yep. Yep. I think it's question time. I it's question time. So let's uh, table the, the Crashlands 2 discussion for. I'm not even going to commit to next week because who the fuck another knows? We'll yeah. table but, it uh, for another time. another time. But just know that we are thinking about it and we're excited about we're it. are very and, excited about it. And that's, that's all we're going to say.
0: We also are very uncertain about it.
1: Yep. It's just in the nice. sense that, that we have a lot of questions. Yes about what it's going to be what it's going to be like uh all right so uh, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net our highest upvoted question comes from butterscotch atheist who says how does your build pipeline work how does it handle multiple consoles where the game itself is fundamentally different please bless us with insights okay so this i'm gonna this is not a short question so how do we answer this shortly (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll just tackle this question about the idea of like the game being fundamentally different across multiple consoles, mm, right?
0: Because it's not.
1: Um, yeah. So so instead instead of getting into the technical details about like how the build pipeline happens, basically the thing you have to know about this is is the concept of configuration management. Yeah. Okay so this is uh this is a, a concept where essentially we can flip the game into a different configuration, so it might be like in the Google Play configuration, it might be in the Nintendo switch configuration or the Steam configuration, and our build pipeline will look at uh, or it it will flip those configurations so the the build pipeline will say i'm about to build for nintendo switch i 'm going to set the configuration." to Nintendo Switch configuration, mm-hmm. uh, then the game itself in the game's code will, will check what configuration it is in, when and, it it will, and it will do different things. So uh, if it says, like, I'm on the Nintendo Switch configuration, so I'm going to use the Joy-Con controller manager at this point in mm-hmm. time, as opposed to, I'm on Steam, so I'm going to look for controllers this way, right? So it's really it's really pretty simple, which is it's just it's just changing the game between different configurations, which are like different versions of the game, um, and it just does different things. Yeah, the hard part
0: isn't so, the build; the hard part was coding up all of those things to work on the different platforms in the first place. Like that's that was where the trick came in. And then after that, it's just if-else statements. It's like if you're on this platform, do this; otherwise, do this other thing. And then having the game having the build system just be aware of which of the states it's supposed to flip the game into.
1: Yeah. And so one one of the traps that a lot of early developers will get into is not using configurations and instead putting themselves in a situation where they have to remember stuff. Right? So they'll go be like manually it, turn these
0: things off, turn these on. Yeah, they
1: will be like, yeah. "Ooh, I'm about to make an Android build. Let me go into my initializer object and change the variables that need to be changed in order for it to work on Android." Yeah, don't be um, doing that. do that. Do not do that. Instead, you just set up a configuration, and then the game will say, "Hey, since I'm on Android, here's the things I'm going to do." Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward concept, uh, and once you get it, it's it becomes much easier to. Uh, to handle all these different platforms. Yeah,
0: I think you're also going to take it further because we also have a dev configuration that is set up to only talk to our development server and only to allow access by staff and like and, and, and to do extra logging and like to, to actually upload those logs somewhere and that kind of thing because yep. you don't want to do that normally, but you also don't want to have to remember, oh God, which thing am I on? Let me turn this one off here and on here or whatever, right? Um, and so configuration man- management goes past making builds and actually becomes part of your development pipeline.
1: Yeah, and, and it makes it so easy. Once yep. you get it, so definitely do that. And uh, I, I don't know how a lot of other uh, engines handle this, but in in they game all Maker, have it. They, yeah, Everything they, has configured. They're all going to have it. Um, yeah, in GameMaker they have a section in the resource tree called configurations. You just right click it, you make a new one, boom, and now you've got it. Peace it ends, game. Up, ends up
0: in a drop down list. So you just pick the one you want.
1: All right. Now, next question comes from Beaky Boob. and this is gonna get this is gonna get deeper than I think probably. He anticipated. We'll just see about his, that. His question is: <laughs> His question is, how many typos do you each make per day? How hmm. many typo?
0: Wait, typo. Okay, so typos is then baked in, or a typing mistake that uh, that may get resolved. Because when it comes to like, because if we're talking keyboard accuracy, right? Many. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because you know, I make a lot. A lot. I a lot of them. Because you hit so many damn keys, right? Mm-hmm. So even if right. you have like ninety six percent accuracy or something, sounds great, sounds fantastic. But if you hit a hundred keys every minute, you fuck up once every ten
1: words, basically. Yeah every <laughs> every sentence is fucked up if you have ninety six percent accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's kind of a lot, right? So, yeah, I think uh, as far as typos, yeah, just constant, constant typos. Mm-hmm. I think it's a constant stream of typos. Yeah, yep. That's yeah. all I like got, Seth. I don't know. I don't know what deepness you you were going for here. If it was like all the right, deeper no. part of like. You
1: type something you shouldn't have even typed. Is that where you're going? No. Well, here's the thing. Uh accuracy is far more important than people realize um, when it comes to typing. So there's a website called Key.br, Key key mm-hmm. br right? Yep. I um,
0: think there's a keyb.com.
1: Keybeer.com. Key B R keybr.com. K-E-Y-B-R dot com. There's also a website that I, I use called Type Racer, where you can you can race a car against other people by typing a passage. Maybe we so should like do your, a
0: game jam with a type racing game.
1: We did make one once. Oh, yeah. yeah. We like made a, a typing game. Man that that was, might have been before
0: my time. He just was windmilling his legs and you would have him
1: run. It was oh, no, test, that was not before
0: my time. Yeah, it that, was to yeah.
1: test out that animation <laughs> engine. Yeah,
0: that was typing very Type games weird. Are, that was very weird.
1: are fun to make. Uh, but. Uh, one thing that you will – so I, I'm, I'm on a, a quest to try to reach 150 words per minute uh, typing. Um, currently, I'm averaging at like 119 with uh, with 99 percent accuracy. OK. But one of the things that I know is – is I'm, so I'm using a, a type racer. You can watch your typing speed over time as you go through a passage. Mm-hmm. And – my typing speed is is actually close to 150 words per minute baseline, but when I but with that one percent error rate, every yep. time I make an error, my speed drops to 50.
0: Mm-hmm. Right,
1: like like as I am, as I am backspacing and trying to get back to the right point to then figure out where I am and then retype. And so, uh, when it comes to to going really fast, it's far more important to simply not make mistakes. Yep. Yeah. And if you're and if you're trying to learn how to type fast, don't focus on the speed. Just focus on the error rate. And this and this and this is where I think the the deepness comes in. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this is this is the philosophy of test driven development. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the philosophy of DevOps. This is like the idea of it's reduce co- errors
0: first. Errors are extremely expensive.
1: Yes. Errors are so much more expensive than anybody could ever calculate. Uh, and they have so many invisible costs, um, and so, so the the lesson from typing is the same lesson that comes into everything, which is you don't make typos. Do everything <laughs> yes. possible not to make typos, mm-hmm. uh, and then everything else will just fall into place. So that's nice. what I have to say. Poetic Very about nice. how many typos do you each make? Now, the now to I do really kind question, of a want to make a lot. And, and what's type that? Adam?
0: I do kind of really want to make a type racing game now for
1: some reason. Just like we could, we could jam one out. Type yeah. typing games could, are so fun in like we, could a day. We, could do, we
0: could do a web one there's like a bullet hell one I think it's on steam it's like an exorcist sort of a pixel oh, yeah. game or yeah it looks pretty incredible so I was thinking about getting that maybe I'll, it's, maybe I'll crack yeah, it up probably a niche probably a niche talk, talking about niche games it's probably probably right up there mm-hmm. um, you don't know be just dope? as a fun thing to make I think it'd be super fun
1: it'd be really interesting if uh, if there's a typing game that's actually like a fully featured game but you didn't have a mouse okay and so like if you wanted to click on a button, you actually had to type the words on the on the button. Like the, just the way that you navigated through the entire game was right. <laughs> just typing all the things. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, like I want to quit, you know, or like you want to pause the game, like you type the word pause cuz yeah. That's what you want to do. Yeah, and if you want to click something uh, you just
0: actually type click on the, the thing, which is weird because you're
1: just typing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh but you know all those old uh, text-based MMOs and stuff like I mean those are those are typing games. Yeah. All right, next question comes from Kipnail Zongcloud, who says, uh hey. Hey, hey, uh, <laughs> "Uh hey. This doesn't have to go on the show, but I was but watching anyway, I was watching Seth's stream game and his mouse and mouse to keyboard speeds are quite high. And I was just wondering what kind of mouse and keyboard he uses or you all use?" Mouse sure, it been asked mouse before. Mouse to
0: keyboard, meaning like how fast you move back and forth between using a mouse and using a keyboard or?
1: I guess. Probably. He um, says, long-time Crashlands and Quadrupus player and podcast listener, first-time stream watcher, and I'm excited about the stream game tutorial. I need my keys to go clickety-clack, just like the B-Scotchers. I think it um, comes from playing MMOs
0: more so than it does from any specific, you know what I mean? Like that. For Seth? I, just in general, like the keyboard. I, mean, I don't play a mouse, so I don't. I don't yeah, know the keyboard that. doesn't make you go faster. The mouse doesn't make you go faster. It's the it's the constant training under duress that makes you go faster. Yeah. So there's also there's a website called uh, that I've been using for my art stuff, which is called uh, I think it's mouse mouse point accuracy or some something like that. It's literally a clicking game. So they put up these little dots on the screen, you click them, right? Uh, I've been doing it with my pen to get my Get more comfortable moving across the whole uh, big tablet screen, but uh, it's one of those things like you could go do that every day just with a mouse. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be training for shooters, right? Uh, to get really good with, mm-hmm. with clicking around, but it's it's also just good if you're using a computer a lot, which most of us are. Yeah, so you do that. Well, you? Yeah, do you yeah, think is, it's a tech?
1: I, well, I think no, the, it's not the tech.
0: It's not the tech in the sense that, like, you can use any old mouse and any old keyboard, and honestly, like, as much as I love my mechanical keyboards, I will never go back because it feels better. It is not faster. No. It just isn't. It um, sounds faster, though. It's it got more It sounds polish, faster, you know. and it feels better, and I think the fact that it feels better can make you – end up faster because you're just enjoying the experience more and it feels a little so less you clunky
1: and you use it more because you enjoy it more. Yeah. Which so means it's just a get better, faster. So
0: it's like, so, yeah. so you, it's not, it's not faster in the sense that like the keyboard isn't magically faster, right? It's just your experience with it is better. So you can end up being faster. Um, I think my least favorite and when it comes to speed, like we, we all just type a lot, like a, a fuck load and we all care about it enough to have tried to get good at it. But I think also it's just from just sheer amount of doing it. Um, like we've all we've all written a lot huge huge swaths of text here and there and you know we all program or, or whatever constantly so there's just a lot of practice um but I, I will say the thing that i hate is mouse to keyboard movement i yep. hate it yep uh,
1: the transition is the a transition
0: worthwhile. is just cuz and i think i think this is one of those things that if you if you're a lot slower at your keyboard and slower on your mouse you wouldn't even notice you wouldn't even notice this time loss right But when I'm trying to program and I I just like need to get to another spot and I have to like take my hand off of the keyboard and grab the mouse and put it somewhere and then get back, I can feel just how severely interruptive that is to being able to actually do the work and I hate it. And so my solution has been, uh, to use, say if, if anybody ever had a ThinkPad back in the day, um, ThinkPads used to be like the workhorse awesome standout laptop and, uh, and then for a while, we're not, I don't know if they, I don't know if they've gotten back into that or not, but, um, but that was what I ended up having. I think at like end, end of college or something, I had one of those and it introduced this weird feature that I've only ever seen in ThinkPads, which is, I just call it the nubbin, but it's that tiny little, it's that tiny little, uh, joystick oh, mouse basically in that's the in the middle, middle of the keyboard. keyboard. Right? Yeah. It's like yeah. smack in the middle. It's just a little, it's just a little dot and it's grippy. So you just like put your, you put your pointer finger on it and you can just like move it and it works like a mouse. So. Getting used to that thing was very weird because it's a joystick, right? A tiny, <laughs> tiny joystick. <Right. laughs> um, and uh, and, the, and then – you click with it? So you don't click with it, but then there's like underneath the space bar is your, is your uh, uh, click keys, right? So you basically use your thumb to click like the same way that you would use to hit the space bar. And so everything is – so now your hands don't really move, right? Everything is in the same place. And, uh, and despite the fact that those keyboards don't feel nearly as good as a mechanical keyboard, that was what I used at work just that was the keyboard i used and i I had to to go like find one on amazon there was like one left that's just a keyboard by itself because it's it's not a normal thing you can just buy and they're really hard to find actually but but it's amazing because you just you can still use a mouse without having to take your hand off Mm -hmm. and the that feels so much better than having even a nice mechanical keyboard and a separate mouse yeah i i just think
1: good the thing that i wish is actually what makes the mouse to keyboard movement too, like more difficult than it needs to be is the fact that numpads are on the right side of the keyboard.
0: Actually, all my keyboards don't have numpads for this very reason. Yeah, it's it's like, I love the mouse closer
1: to the wrist. I love keyboard. the numpad. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. it's fucking great. But why does everything have to be off to the right of the keyboard? The mouse is over there, the numpad is over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? If the numpad was on the left side of the keyboard, that would actually make more then, sense. That's a good point. Yeah. Then yep. you have you have a nice even space. Your keyboard be in the middle. You got things evenly spaced out. You're good. So. It's easy to get keyboards without
0: without uh, numpads though. So I cause I actually don't, I just don't use the numpads. Yeah, mine really. doesn't have a numpad on it. Yeah, I don't bother. And I found that that is actually the number one thing for for uh, increasing. If I'm if I'm going to have a keyboard that doesn't have a nubbin in the middle of it, then axing the numpad is by far the 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 biggest boost to keyboard to mouse speed. Yeah, what I just do is I I load up all hotkeys onto my left hand. So it's just the left yeah. half of the keyboard, basically T G B and left is just like hotkey city. Yeah, if you have to, if you have to use a mouse. Like, <laughs> yeah, cuz like that thing's yeah. like for Sam. Like Sam's using a mouse all the time for his work, right? Um, I only use a mouse when I have to navigate between things I'm working on, right? Mm-hmm. Which is very different. And so so yeah, so if you're in Sam's case, yeah, if you if you hotkey the fuck out of your left hand, then now you just get to never move. You're just already in the right position. Yep. In the case of programming or or writing or something, learning hotkeys again is the same deal. Like just learn hotkeys that let you not have to use your mouse as much as possible. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the things I keep on intending to do because it's a it's a constant pain in the ass and annoyance that I have is, is you know the mouse switching is figure out in VS Code since where I spend all my time is figure out how to really quickly navigate using the keyboard instead of using a mouse. Um, but everything I've tried to do. It's still faster as long as it is to to use the mouse, so. Yeah. I think it's the, one of my biggest beefs with a lot of uh, – actually, with, with the entire Photoshop suite is the lack of rebindable most of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably one of the scenarios where because there are so many things. Yeah, I think that the piece of software is so complicated that, like – I mean, I get it, but at the same time, I'm yeah. like, you, this should. On the other hand, honestly, should have been planned for. It, like, yeah. On the other hand, VS Code, which is very complicated, um, has fully rebindable everything, and it's literally just a j- big ass JSON file, just fucking enormous. Yep. And every extension that gets added to it, because because people can make their own extensions, can have its own hotkeys that are also in there, right? Mm-hmm. And they can all interfere with each other if they need to, because like that's your problem now. Like, yep. go, you go figure it out, right? Um, so there is something to be said for for still that. allowing that despite the chaos, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I also think I know I know this is like an MMO thing, but I absolutely love the the mice that have 12 buttons on the side. Yeah. Like I I don't know why this di- this isn't a more commonly accepted or demanded thing outside of MMOs. I
0: mean, it's a waste of a hand, you know. Like it, the the mouse normally has basically Scroll wheel, left click, right click, and then maybe middle click, right? Those are your things. Mm-hmm. That's three of your fingers, right? Yeah. You got That's a thumb. Three. You got a thumb. You got a, which you is got a whole thumb. Arguably the you most got a important digit you got.
1: Yeah, and chill. like if you're if you've played any video game ever, you know that the thumb is a very versatile tool, and it can hit a trillion different buttons very easily, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so it's so dynamic. Yeah, it just get, it's get get all over there. So <laughs> I, I
0: do actually on, when I play FPS, it's like when I was playing Control, I just rebound a whole bunch of the of the keys onto the the basically I have a numpad on the side of my keyboard or the side of my mouse. I mean, so I just yep. rebound it to the to the numpad over there. But I also find that. Oh. That stuff that's like towards them – because I think it's true I – think, I think the mouse that I have, because it's got 12 keys on it, but they're all far enough back that the amount of like thumb bending I have to do to, to hit almost all of them is yeah. stupid. I'd say,
1: I'd say definitely six of them are quite accessible and six yeah. of them are definitely harder Not to – get <laughs> yep. yeah. um, but yeah, I mean it's, it's weird that, that the, the tradition for a mouse is that it's basically this weird useless thing with like two buttons on it and a wheel – when you've yeah, got all the these keyboard extra fingers, a hundred
0: keys on it, you know, right? yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So, so my mouse has it has a wheel. It's got two two buttons behind the wheel. It's got a, a third button on your ring finger, so it actually has three buttons. And then it's got twelve buttons on the side for the thumb. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're if you're say like doing art or something, and you're using your mouse a lot, and you're like, oh, I don't want to have to like bounce between the mouse and the keyboard or whatever. It's like, man, just. Get yourself. I, I think the mouse I have is like a Logitech G nine hundred or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like sixty bucks.
0: And there are so cheaper ones too.
1: There are yeah, there are cheaper ones, ones yeah. with the same number of buttons, um, but it, it is is definitely not going to cost you like an arm and a leg to get a mouse with a shitload of buttons on it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and you can you can just go to town on that thing. It is it's a game changer. Yeah, the
0: weirdest thing yeah. is that uh, you're transitioning more so into into doing art. The normal way, which is to say, with a pen, with a stylus, <laughs> I do think it's odd that the stylus has a button on it, and also the way it's designed. Like, I feel like you, you could take advantage of the fact that, like, it's it should be a mouse. Like, it's essentially a mouse, right? Um, yeah. But it's it's designed to to hold exactly like a pencil, and so as a result, of course, you have almost no area to like put other stuff on it. Um, but I could totally see like more of a like more of a chunkier sort of a boy that you're using in your hand, like (laughs) Uh, more like a wedge um, chunky boy, that actually has buttons on it. Because like there's, there's just one damn button on this thing and clicking it is almost impossible because of the shape of the thing. So you're drawing and stuff. And then like you, do you just click, you just click this little tiny, I'm showing Adam there's a little tiny button here. And like, it doesn't, my hand's not even on that thing most of the time because the whole thing is perfectly cylindrical. So I'll just pick it up and then the button's over there. Right. right? It's like if you picked up your mouse backwards half the time. That'd yeah, be it's weird. Can, right? it's, like a, it's like a USB drive. Right? You don't know which way it's. Yeah, it's always a super position. So I, I can never use it,
1: right? And so I'm like, hey, I wonder if there's like a better that's way. A significant to, design flaw. Yeah, there must be. I had a, I had a dream the other day that I was trying to explain to someone what a pencil was. <laughs> that's a I don't weird know. Why, dream. I don't know why. Well, but what was a hard what the hard part
0: about explaining it?
1: Well. The, what was weird about it was like for starters, it was just that the person didn't know what it was, it's which implied true. a, which implied a a lot, so much missing context, mm-hmm. right? Of like, of what a pencil is uh, and well, here, why you would uh, need it. Let's you know? do it. So if you could just just briefly describe to me what a pencil is, because I think I, I think I got a short one that would work. Uh, so if if you want to go with like a functional description, mm-hmm. you can just be like, well, it's a basic a uh, writing instrument for putting marks on a piece of paper. And I'd be right. like,
0: what's paper? I've never
1: What's paper? Because if somebody doesn't know what the fuck a pencil is, there's a pretty good chance that they also don't know what paper yeah.
0: is. <laughs> I would just say that it's a it's a uh, it's a bonus finger that marks thinks. That's it. Bonus
1: finger. Mm-hmm. But only when it's pointy, you yeah. know. As mm-hmm. you mark things with it, it becomes less pointy and then you've got to put it into a grinder to get it back to a back to a point. Yep. You know?
0: In that sense, it's basically a knife that leaves that leaves that leaves material instead of cutting material. Ooh. Yeah. It's a reverse knife. It's a reverse but not knife. Not a reverse knife. That would hurt if you grabbed it. Yeah, the wrong know. way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well you can only grab a reverse knife the wrong way. <laughs> It's yeah, a but knife. I mean, but actually, yeah, so if you do, if you have a reverse knife, just grab it from the other side. Problem, problem <laughs> solved.
1: But it's kind of an interesting question there, which is like there is gonna be a, a point in time, quite far off, but there will be one where people see a pencil and they're like, what "The fuck is that thing?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Much like think
0: so, I mean, it's like it's a universal in- implement, you know? Because like as long I think as long as we have hands. We're gonna mm-hmm. have pencils, and as long as we need to make marks on things, which, which is, is going to be forever. all the time, because people love. Well, we, may, we may not have pencils exactly, you know, but we're, we're still gonna have chalk or something because we still have to like build things and you know mark stuff where we're building things and whatever so. mark things. Yeah,
1: no Although way, man. Use Think about it. For
0: that, so Think about it.
1: Mm-hmm. You go to you go to space. You know, every every little piece of resource matters. You can't have a you can't have a writing implement. That creates shavings and constantly gets smaller over time. Isn't that where ballpoint pens came from? It's like ballpoint pen, right? Yeah, but you got to keep refilling the ink, which means you gotta you gotta launch ink up into space. You know, if instead you've got a touch screen with a stylus, you can make infinite markings. Except now you're as long long as long as touch you gotta launch touchscreens
0: up into space.
1: Yeah, we're yeah. Talk, What about the resources? Yeah, but that's no heavier than a that's no heavier than a notebook, right? Yeah. So right. you got you got infinite paper. But infinite, infinite. Even ink. in that case, you still got a pencil.
0: It just doesn't put marks down itself. It interacts with the screen to put a mark yeah. down on the screen. So it's I think sty- metaphorically, it's so easy to figure out. Yep. Anyway, yeah. glad we solved that. That's good. Yeah.
1: It's so like good, now nice you- work. Nice work. Now team. you know. Uh, anyway, I think that's all the time we have for this yep. week. Yeah, that's good. So that's a good, it's a good spot to end that on. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.